Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. When I'm praying to the Lord, I'm like, wait a minute, is that, is that really like for me or is that for you, Lord? Or like, why am I asking you to do this? And it's not that my motives are all wrong or anything like that, but I think it's really good for us to, to push pause on that and say like, Lord, what is my motive behind this? Is this really for your glory or is this just because this is what I want you to do? And sometimes those go together. Sometimes they go together, but then sometimes they don't. Our prayer life is arguably one of the most important aspects of our Christianity. The way we communicate and the frequency of which we communicate is vital to our relationship with God. Sometimes we only pray when we need something. And don't get me wrong, that's a great time to be praying. But in today's message, Pastor James shares that so is every other minute of the day. You can always be talking with God, whether it's at work, doing chores, or just grocery shopping. God wants to hear from us always. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Zechariah chapter 5 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. There are some sacred cows in the church that need to be slaughtered. Okay? We don't like that. But sometimes it's time to get rid of some stuff. And it's not because it's bad or whatever. And it's not because it, it's just sometimes it's like we, we, pay, we place so much focus on the traditions. And we lose sight of what the traditions are even about. And, and we, we as a church, we have to be very cautious and careful concerning these things because we also don't want to like we don't want to get we're never going to get rid of good practices but we don't want to let things become the center of what we do when the center of what we do should be Jesus okay and this is something that I'm glad this guy asked a question because this is something that we need to ask as well is there something that I do that has just become a habit it's just become like I, I, I do this, and, and, and it's gotten into the, to the place where it's like, I do this without thinking, and that's dangerous, okay? So push pause on all your stuff and say, okay, Lord, is, is this for you? Or is this about this thing, right? Am I, am I fasting just because, like, well, I should probably fast? Or am I fasting because it's like, Lord, I just I want to hear from you, and I want to, like, I want to let my flesh know that you don't control me. So it's good for us to come back to this every so often and say like, okay, why do we do this? Why? And a lot of people get kind of like, they they get scared when you start asking these questions because they're like, please don't change stuff. You're like, but what if we need to change stuff? What if it's time to change stuff? And here's this guy. He's like, "I, I fast. And I mourn on the fifth month. Do I need to keep doing that? And I love the word of the Lord back to this guy. It says, then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, Zechariah, saying, say to all the people of the land and to the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh month, that guy didn't even bring up seventh month. He just brought up the fifth month. During those 70 years, did you really fast for me? For me? I love that. 
the double emphasis on there. Here's God. He's like, hey, Zechariah, all right, get everybody together. Because this question circulating through, this guy is probably just a representative of the whole group at large, right? He's like, get them all together. He's like, when you were doing this for 70 years in Babylon, who was it for? Who was it for? Well, God, of course it was for you. It's fasting. Fasting's not for me. It's totally for you. And God's like, is it? But when you did it, who was it for? Was it for me? For me? Like, I love that, like, that double question that God asks is like, which it really just makes you like, huh. Well, I think I have to re-examine my motives. I have to come, I, I have to re-examine my motives. You and I have to re-examine our motives. Lord, I'm doing this for you. He has every right to ask us, is it really for me or is it for you? Well, no, Lord, this is a good thing. Of course it's for you. Is it? Is it? <laughs> right? I love this. Like, This is an amazing interaction. Uh, I think that there's so much heart behind this one little passage of Scripture that it's, it's so, I, I hope you don't miss the beauty of it. Because here God could be like, um, look, you're a bunch of posers. You're just a bunch of frauds. Like in 70 years you were fasting, but you were never fasting for me. Like he could totally call them out on it in, in, a, in an embarrassing kind of a way. He could smash them for it easily. But I love how he interacts with his people. He, he interacts with them like a, like a loving dad would do. Gently, but firmly. Was it for me? Was it really for me? Like, don't answer. It's almost a thing of like, he asked a question, and he's like, no, 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 don't answer too quickly. I'm asking you twice because I want you to think about it. I'm asking you twice because I want you to reevaluate it. I mean, you could, you could probably feel the hush that comes over the crowd when this is addressed. Is that really for me? Yeah, yeah, no, don't talk yet. Don't, don't talk yet. Is it really for me? I mean, this, this one little question alone is, is just kind of messes me up. <laughs> I mean, because there's a lot of things that I do unto the Lord and for the Lord. And I'm not saying that all that stuff is bad, but there, I have to really check my motives. I'm like, man, Lord, am I really doing this? Am I really doing this for you or am I doing this to get something from you? Because I'm a really good manipulator is what I'm learning. The closer I grow, grow to the Lord, the more wicked I see that I am. And how, man, I am such a manipulator when it comes to my prayer life. And I, I see this time and time again of like almost 25 years. Almy 25 years. My, my, high, my 25 year high school reunion is tomorrow, right? It's crazy. Like I got saved right when I got out of high school. So that means I'm coming up to like 25 years of walking with Jesus. And this studying through this book, and more specifically through passages like this, this past couple of weeks has been like just nailing me. When I'm praying to the Lord, I'm like, "Wait a minute. Is that, is that really like for me, or is that for you, Lord? Or like, why am I asking you to do this?" And it's not that my motives are all wrong or anything like that, but I think it's really good for us to, to push pause on that and say, like, "Lord, what is my motive behind this?" Is this really for your glory, or is this just because this is what I want you to do? And sometimes those go together. Sometimes they go together, but then sometimes they don't. And so I'm learning. I'm still learning as I just 
humbly just try to walk with the Lord. But the closer I get to him, man, the more wicked I, I, I just see that like, oh, man, Lord, please check my heart, Lord. <laughs> Search me and see if there's any wicked way to be found within me. I want to bring to you what you want from me. And God is so good, and he spells it out for them, and he spells it out for us. He says in verse 6, he says, When you eat and when you drink, do you not eat and drink for yourselves? There's a verse that Paul uses in addressing the church of Corinth. He says, well, you know, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of the Lord. Do all unto the glory of God. Like, so Paul's like, yeah, when you're eating, when you're drinking, do it for the, unto the glory of God, right? Here's the Lord's like, hey, when you're eating and you're drinking, was that not, that was for you. Should you not have obeyed the words which the Lord proclaimed through the former prophets when uh, Jerusalem and the cities around it were inhabited and prosperous and the south and the lowland were inhabited, right? So the Lord's like, so you started fasting when you got in trouble, where was the fasting before the trouble? Wait, you, and that, this is us, right? You started praying when you were in trouble. Why weren't you praying before the trouble? You're like, oh, that's right. <laughs> if we're honest, it's like, yeah, that's, oh, yep, I'm, yes, Lord, that's, that's probably, that's true of me. He's like, what, and he's just phrasing this out, and he's just showing them like, let me tell you what I want. Then the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, execute true justice. Show mercy and compassion, everyone to his brother. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the orphans, the alien or the poor. Let none of you plan evil in his heart against his brother. All he's doing is calling them back to what he asked them to do when he brought them out of Egypt and into the promised land. And he had to get on to him several times. He's like, you're taking advantage of people that you should not be taking advantage of. Like, you're taking advantage of widows and orphans. You're taking advantage of the poor. And we, we've already seen this through other, um, the other minor prophets, where they were taking advantage. They were stealing land from their brothers because their brothers couldn't afford to pay for it or were indebted to them. And so they would use that in order to gain leverage on these guys and steal all their land. And God's like... Here's the deal. This is what I want from you. And all I'm asking you to do is what I asked you to do from the very beginning. Because I'm the God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He says, but they refused to heed, shrugged their shoulders, right? They're like kind of brushed off of God. Like, and they were stubborn, essentially is what he's saying there. Stopped their ears so they could not hear Yes, they made their hearts like flint. They were stiff-necked and stubborn people, refusing to hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Thus great wrath came from the Lord of hosts. Therefore it happened that just as he proclaimed, they would, they would not hear. So they called out, I, and I would not listen, right? So God's like, there's a little cause and, cause and effect here. And this is, we're going to cover some of this in Romans, right? The hardening of his heart and all that. Lord's like, um, this is what I asked you to do, and your forefathers uh, totally blew me off. They refused to listen to me. So if you're going to refuse to listen to me, guess what? You're not going to hear me. You're not going to hear me. When it comes down to it, and when Babylon started knocking on the door, they were crying out, and God's like, I'm sorry. 
oh, now you want to talk to me, <laughs> right? It's like, no, 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 you made your bed, now it's time for you to lay, out, lay in it, right? They, but they, they allowed their caring of, uh, you know, their, their traditions, they were trying to be faithful with all their traditions, but yet they hardened their hearts to the word of God. And that's why this all goes back to that one question that the guy was asking is like, should I keep fasting on the fifth month? And God's like, no, listen, you're, you and your traditions, you guys honor those like almost to the, to the T, right? Like you guys were all about your traditions, but yet you never listened to my word. You placed your traditions over my word. Guess what they did beyond this? They did the exact same thing. The Pharisees were guilty of this. They placed their traditions over the word of God. Essentially, they would never say that, but that's what happened. We know that that's what happened. And the Lord's just calling them out on it, saying like, look, what got you to Babylon was you rejecting my word. You didn't hear my voice. You didn't heed my voice. When the spirit moved through the prophets, you know what they did to the prophets? They killed them. They murdered them. And all they were doing was faithfully delivering the word of God. But the people were like, hey, we don't want to hear that. We got other prophets telling us that life is good and we can live our best life today. And God's like, the, the armies are coming. We, we reject that message, right? We reject that message. And we're going to get a nice smiley pastor to let us know that your life is amazing and it's all good and it'll all just only ever be good. And it's like, I hear the, the sound of hoof prints and chariots coming to take us away. I don't think it's all good. And it wasn't for them. Because they, they, re, they rejected God. They rejected him and they rejected his word. But they held fast to their own traditions. That's why I say sometimes we need to push pause on things that are just, this is just what we do. Push pause on that and say, is it for the Lord? And is it really about him? Because if it's not about him, if we've lost sight of it, if we've lost focus, we got to get back. We need to repent and get back to him. Get back to him. Because I don't want to go back to Babylon. I don't want to be carried off in captivity. And the way to get carried off into captivity is to neglect the word of God. And I don't want our church to be carried off, quote unquote, into captivity. Or to be, you know, um, caught up in some sort of, you know, uh, sort of illusion or, or whatever, deception from the enemy. No, we're going to stay true to the word of God. And we're going to put priority on the word of God, even above our traditions. And if we get off center, we repent, we turn back to him. Lord, set us on the right path and we're going to follow you. That's what we want to do. Because I want to learn from the examples of others. I've gone down the path too many times, right? So for us, as for me and my family, as for me and Calvary Galveston, we will follow the Lord. We will follow the Lord. This is God continuing on in that last little verse there in seven. We'll wrap it up here. It says, I would not listen, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 14. But I scattered them with a whirlwind among the nations, which they had not known, which is true, which is what happened to Israel. Um, it actually has happened multiple times in Israel, uh, more than once, I should say. The land became desolate after them so that no one passed through a return. They made the pleasant land desolate. So it, naturally, chapter 8 just kind of comes right into that. But I'm going to 
I'm just gonna go ahead and pause there. So I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna land this plane. What we do need to take note of is this. Okay, the last verse there, verse 14. He's letting them know like, yeah, I scattered you, but you gave me the reason to scatter you. Okay, this isn't God just being mean, right? He's like, I gave you every opportunity. I gave you every chance. And we had an agreement from the very beginning of I would rescue you from Egypt, bring you into my land that I preserved for you, which it's my land. And if it's and if I own the property, you're going to treat the property like how I want you to treat the property. And they're like, oh, yes. And amen. And yeah, you got it, God. You are the best God in the world, right? And of course, this is a generation after the, you know, the other ones that all died in the wilderness, okay? But they, even the ones who died in the wilderness were like, oh, absolutely. Yeah, of course. Whatever you say, God, it's your way, you know? And they're like, then they all die in the wilderness. Uh, and then the next generation comes up and Joshua has a heart to heart with them. He's like, listen, this isn't our land. This is his land that he's giving to us. And it comes with rules. One of the rules is you can work the land for so long, but then you have to give the land rest because it's not about making money. Because if God is your shepherd, he will take care of you even in the year that you give the land rest. And they're like, oh, hey, man, I've never heard a better, pre- better sermon taught, right? And they're like, hey, oh, Joshua, you're the best. You're the greatest. And God, we got it, man. We'll sign on the dotted line. And they immediately blew it immediately because they're like when once the seventh year came things change right and they're like well but do the math taking a whole year off that's that's just kind of silly i mean do you see how much money we're going to lose if we take a year off but no no if we work the land you know god's not serious about that stuff he's just not no that was just kind of a scare test tactic right like he's not serious about that there's no way we're israel we're israel right? He just delivered us from Egypt. No, no, no. We're going to work the land because we can make more money. And we make more money, then, you know, we, we grow and we excel and we do all this stuff and we're just going to keep doing and, and we're just going to do what we want to do and what we think is best. And I'm sure God is fine with that. He will forgive us because we're his people. And so every year, seventh year, God's like, check. <laughs> He's like, there's one. And every seventh year, there's two. And then it totals up 70 years of captivity. Because God's word does not return void. God's like, you will get my land rest. You will honor your commitment to me. And I will hold you accountable. They gave him every reason for him to send not only the Babylonians, but anybody else he wanted to into that land to take them away as captives. He was gracious in delaying that for so long. Totally gracious in doing that. But he's like, I scattered you like the whirlwind among the nations. He says, thus the land became desolate after them, so that no one passed through and returned. For they made the pleasant land desolate. He's like, that's on you, Israel. You messed up my land. You overworked my land. That's my land. I put you there as managers. I entrusted you with that. But I also told you, if you just do it this way, you'll be prosperous. 
you will be prosperous. If you just trust me, that's the key. If you just trust me. And then greed comes in. And the lack of trust and faith in a God who is totally faithful. And it was on them. The land became desolate because of them. Never because of God. So God's like, away you go for 70 years because my land deserves rest. And there was a remnant. And he always works with a remnant. And you'll see that in chapter 8. Yeah, read ahead, please. Because uh, by the time we get back to Zechariah, this is all going to be forgotten, I'm sure. Uh, but, man, the Lord is so good. And I love that he, God loves Israel, the people, so much. Israel means governed by God. He, loves, he especially loves he loves all. Okay, I'll say that because um, God so loved the world. Uh, he loves true Israel, the, the ones who actually want to be governed by him. He also loves that land he gave them. He's like, you messed up. He's like, it's like he's a, you know, he's, he's like a property owner. And he's like, you messed up my land. You messed up my lawn. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, no, you're, you're out of here. You're out of here because it used to be beautiful. And now it's like all stickers and brown and there's no grass left, right? It's like you messed up Israel. So you got to go. You got to go. But it's not because he's mean. It's because they defaulted on their covenant with him. But he's so loving. He's so compassionate. And I love that how Zechariah just does. I think it's, and obviously it's the Holy Spirit through Zechariah of just framing this thing out where it's just so beautiful that this one guy shows up and he's like, hey, do I, am I supposed to fast this month? And God's like, I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because it's time for us to have a heart to heart. Was that really for me? For me? And I, and I think that there's probably no better question to end on than that for us. Is it really for him? Is it really for him? Wisdom would say, don't answer that question too quickly. Wisdom would say, Lord, search my heart. Search my heart. Because I don't trust this thing. Lord, search my motives. Because I want it to be for you. And the beauty of that, the beauty of that whole thing, and just being real with God and asking him that question, okay? Because just because you're one of his kids does not mean you're good, okay? In the sense of, yeah, you might be going to heaven, but uh, you might not be representing him all that well, right, here on earth. And so... The, the thing we, the good thing about that is we can, we can say, all right, Lord, man, is this for you? Because if it's not, here's the thing. He's not, I don't think that he's looking to take away something, you know, from you, so to speak. I think he's just so gracious and loving to where he's like, I, I just want you to do it for the right reason. Like, if I've gifted you with an ability or put something on your heart to do or to whatever it is, whatever that ministry type thing looks like for you. I don't think the Lord's like, I gave it to you so I can just take it away, right? I think he's trying to get us to where he's like, no, let's, let's be real. Let's be honest. Is this really for me? If it's not, if we've gotten sideways, you can always repent. You can always repent and go back to him and say like, man, Lord, I think this has been about me. And I'm sorry. He's like, I'm glad you see it that way. Now let's do it the right way. Right? That God is, he's amazing at that. And so it's a good practical application point that we'll, we'll close out on is lay everything at his feet. Everything. Say, Lord, is this really for you? Is it really for you? Hope to the hopeless, hopeless, red for the broken 
Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're currently in a series called Major Messages from the Minor Prophets. Don't let the word minor fool you. Normally, its definition is widely known as not important, but that's not the case here. Many men from days of old spoke about the faithfulness of Jesus and his power to bring wayward souls back to him. Despite all of their poor choices, Jesus used different prophets to speak the saving truth of his righteousness into their lives. If you liked what you heard today, you have an opportunity to share it with others by making a donation to this ministry at breadforthebroken.com. Once you're there, simply click on the Donation tab. Feel free to explore other teachings by Pastor James as well. Bread for the Broken is a ministry out of Calvary, Galveston. If you're looking for a church that you can call home, or you simply want to connect and pray with somebody, we'd love to be that for you. You can get in touch with us by filling out the contact form at our website, breadforthebroken.com. Interested in visiting us at one of our services? Well, you have two options available to you, Sundays at 10 a.m. or Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. If you can't get there, we invite you to use our Facebook live stream. We'd love to connect with you because there's hope and healing in Jesus. Our time is up for today's edition, but we'd encourage you to tune in next time to hear more about these prophets that had major messages from God. Join us for more wisdom that comes from the Word of God right here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man.